Hey everyone, this is Mark at the Mark for Glory podcast. This is season two, episode 11. We're with a very special guest from New Zealand, John Maribel, who injured his spine when he was younger and has since gone on to complete his sixth degree uh, in karate, sixth degree black belt, sorry, in karate. And uh, we're gonna have a chat with him about his life uh, up to this point. So let's get started. Hey, John. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. So it's nice and sunny here in New Zealand. It's uh, 9.30 in the morning, so it's good. 20-odd degrees, so nice. Um, so for people who don't know who you are, uh, go ahead and tell us a bit about your background, um, growing up, uh, and all that stuff. Certainly. So I was born and raised in England and um, had my accident uh, when I was uh, nearly 11, 10 years, 10 months old. The family was on holiday up in Scotland and uh, I think uh, my parents had got sick of my brother and I playing inside the caravan because it had been raining most of the day. And early evening they said, right, we can go outside and play as long as we don't go near these cliffs. So of course I could adventurous boys we decided to try and climb the cliff and sadly or unfortunately for me the cliff gave way and I fell and resulted breaking my back. I believe I was very lucky because my rehabilitation after my accident was at Stoke Manville Hospital and that's where the Paralympic Paralympic Games started. So um, I spent nine months in hospital which the first three months were in bed and as soon as I was in my wheelchair, they uh, put me down to the hole and I learned archery, table tennis, learned to re-swim. So really from day one in my wheelchair in 1967, it was uh, the, fittest I'd, the fittest I could be, the healthier I will be. And that's sort of been my like, mantra ever since. So I always try to keep myself fit. Um, this means I'll have hopefully a better quality of life. I'll be strong enough to do self-transfers, getting in and out of my car, travel independently. I um, started having an interest in martial arts at an early age. I think it was from my father who traveled around um, Asia with the, the Navy. And he used to talk about the uh, mind over matter and all this type of thing. And I started looking into that as I was growing, growing older and um, really liked the... Um, the sort of mental side of the martial art. Unfortunately, no one in England would teach me a martial art because I was in a wheelchair. Um, a good friend of mine, Gordon, was Chinese, so he learned me Kung Fu. Unofficially, because I couldn't join a Kung Fu class because I wasn't Chinese. Um, but it was really good. Um, I did a little bit of work with his family in their takeaway for him to teach me. And it wasn't until I emigrated 
New Zealand in in the '74 that I started doing karate '75, and I haven't looked back. That's all of my brief story of my life as a martial artist. So. Aren't you also into table tennis? Certainly. Yeah, so that's something that I loved. Um, as I said, it was one of the first things they taught me. And um, it's great. It's something I've tried to play continuously. I've had breaks. Um, unfortunately, where I live in Dunedin, in the South Island of New Zealand, I'm the only person in the wheelchair who plays. So I, I compete against able-bodied, and I'm a class... Um, class two sorry a grade b so you have a plus a b and then go down so i'm classed as a b grade player in able-bodied table tennis for power table tennis i'm class four so yeah i'm the only person in a wheelchair playing table tennis in the south island and so i not despondent but you know, i'd still be playing i'd win about 50 60 percent of my games but then I'd go away to tournaments and playing in a, against someone in a wheelchair, slightly different playing. So I'd play for a couple of seasons, have a break, and then I'd have an injury, whether it was downhill ski racing or um, playing basketball. I've had more injuries playing other sports than I have doing karate. It's quite funny. <clears throat> so, yeah, table tennis is something that uh, I'm really interested in. I think it works well with the karate having quick reactions is quite good. And um, I'm lucky to be on the long list for the up-and-coming Commonwealth Games in Birmingham next year, COVID permitting. But of course, we've got to um, compete in a few international competitions, but at the moment, there's nothing happening. So what's the space? Do they, um, I know they just sort of restarted karate at the Olympics. Um, did they have it at the Commonwealth Games? No, I don't believe they have. That's an interesting thing. Um, there is now called para karate, and it's for anyone much like the Paralympics, so it becomes a Paralympic sport. Um, but that's something, it's not quite at Paralympic level. It's something that we were hoping would be included in the last Tokyo Olympic, but um, unfortunately it wasn't. But it's really, really popular in Europe. Um, something I look at and the style of karate I do is Okinawa Gojuru, and we're also more on the traditional side of um, karate. So you've got like the sports karate side, then you've got the, um, the traditional side. The two can mix, of course, but we focus more on the um, traditional side. So when we're fighting, uh, even though it's controlled, we're poking in eyes, we're ripping throats, and all this nice thing, breaking limbs, which of course you can't do that in a karate tournament. Or you can, but you get disqualified. Um, I think the way I sort of distinguish between sports karate and traditional is that in sports you have a thick, you have a set goal in mind or something you want to accomplish, right? Yeah. In yeah. traditional karate, it's more of like a lifelong pursuit. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. That's it. Um, I think that's the thing that um, I've been doing karate now since about 75, and I'm still learning. I, I know some people who have 
done sport karate and they've they're no longer doing it. They, they've found some other interest um, because their um, bodies have just burnt out. They've got crook knees, crook hips, crook elbows. But with the traditional, as you said, it's a journey. And um, when I'm talking to some of my teachers who are 8th uh, and ninth dance, who are in their 70s and 80s, they say they're still learning. So it's, it's, it's good to know. So um, you mentioned the mental aspect of uh, karate and martial arts in general. Um, so how does that help you cope with the injury that you have in life, uh, going through life? I think it's, it gave me that sort of the... Um... I suppose um, made me look at things positively. So everything is a um, not necessarily a challenge, but um, for example, I went to pull the curtain down before I had to sort of make sure I stretched and things like that. I know if I don't stretch during my normal routines, my daily routine of karate exercises, um, I wouldn't be able to do things like that. Um, so sometimes the mental side teaches you or helps you get through those adversities. So, I mean, we all have bad days. Some people have bad hours and seems everything will go wrong. I sort of try and think of it as um, an exercise. So if I drop something and it's slightly out of reach, I think, right, that's good. I'm going to have to stretch. I'm going to have to breathe. And um, we'll do all these exercises that I've been doing through my karate journey. Um, also, is good from the other side of things is it teaches you self-control when you are faced with um, unconscious bias is a term that's being used a, a lot at the moment. So I go out for a cup of coffee and um, I, I'll give them my order, I'll have a cappuccino, then they'll ask my friend who I'm with whether I want coffee, uh, sorry, chocolate or cinnamon on top. Um, so it teaches me that nice little self-control, don't say anything, they don't mean to be... Um, bias towards you, it's just they haven't had the exposure. I know some people who would sort of leap up and down and say, I'm here, you should be speaking to me, etc. I think also the um, mental side teaches you to push yourself. Um, you've got the um, circle of influence, as I call it. Um, I'm not pushing yourself outside your circle, your comfort zone, but the circle of influence, so just trying to push yourself each day to try something a little bit further and a bit longer. Um, we've all faced lockdown and it, it's interesting to see how many people have got out on the floor and have been doing some exercises and I've been watching a few of your little videos, Mark, and you know, it, it's, that's the thing, I think, it's that mental side, it's, it's easy to sit back, put your feet up, watch TV, but it's just that wanting to make yourself stronger and fitter and healthier. A long answer, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We like long answers here. Um, so, uh, what what would you say is the recommendation for someone who is like they they look at say they have a disability, uh, maybe they're in a wheelchair or they have some other disability, and um, they hear you saying. Yeah, well, I'm, I've been doing karate for like 40, 50 years, whatever. And uh, 
you have like a black belt of six degree black belt but um for someone starting out that can be pretty intimidating right yeah i think that's the thing that <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing that traditionally there was never colored belts there was never no, no belts you just turned up the training and that's what you did the instructor would give you a set of exercise and like the three of us would be training and they'd say okay john i want you to do some makiwara work, Mark, I want you to do some bag work, Josh, I want you to practice your forms, you know, and it was that type of thing. Um, but then the grading system, I understand, came from judo, and it was mainly because us Westerners like to get some form of reward for the work we're doing. Um, I, th I think it can be a little bit despondent when someone can see someone get their back out after four years, Someone might get it after three and a half, and then someone might take seven years. Um, we we still have to realise, and that's where I think it's the instructor's goal that is you work on the person, say like this is you're not quite there, there yet. We've got to work on these techniques to make you stronger and things like that. Um, I say to people, if you're interested and want to look into a martial art, go and have a look. Most clubs will let you train for a couple of weeks for nothing, and then you can get a feel of the makeup of the club, makeup of the members, makeup of the instructors. <clears throat> um, and I think that's the important thing that your instructor make or break your journey. Um, and I think as long as people can see that they are progressing, um, that's the thing which will keep people going. Of course, some people want that sport, the competition side. If that's the case, we're lucky in Dunedin. We've got other clubs I can send them to another club that concentrates on sport, karate and tournaments. Or, um, or they might decide that judo or aikido or kendo or something else is for them. Right. And um, that's a good point to bring up. Because I know we're talking karate right now and you obviously love it and I love it too. And so we have that unconscious bias, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're gonna... mine's, mine's not more out there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try and push it on anyone who will listen, right? <laughs> but um, the truth of the matter is, is especially at the beginning, it's about experimentation and finding what speaks to you. Maybe, maybe the thing that gets you motivated to move is like Hapkido or something, right? Then you should be doing that. Well, when I really started getting my hunger for martial arts, it was when the Bruce Lee movies were coming around and the Kung Fu series. So of course, like everyone in the 70s, that's what we wanted to do, Kung Fu. And um, interestingly, when I came to New Zealand and found a karate club, it was Kyokushinkai Karate. And Kyokushinkai Karate was created by a gentleman who was part Japanese, part Korean. And he formed his own style because there was a little bit of um, dislike, I suppose, towards the Korean side of him. So he thought, right, I'm going to form my own style. And but my passion was always Kung Fu because I'd seen Bruce Lee and Kwai Chung Kane and all these. And but I thought at least I'm doing a martial art. But I just loved the um, the physical side, the mental side, pushing yourself. Um, 
And interestingly, our organization, uh, the head of our style, Sensei John Jarvis, he was the first European to do a 100-man fight, and he did that in um, Japan. And so it was quite uh, an honor to train with this guy. But he got a little bit despondent with Eric Shinkai. And Don Drager, who was a very famous American martial art um, historian, he was good friends with uh, Sensei John. He said, if you're looking at doing another style, go to Tokyo, go to your Yogi Dojo and look up Higana Morio Sensei. So Sensei John did that, and um, the rest is history. We've been Higana Sensei as Kojiru and Little Okinawan gentleman. And he um, came over here in 1977. We were still doing Kek at that time. And um, he took like a three-hour training session and everyone was in low horse stance and we were either kicking or punching. And afterwards, uh, Higan Sensei gave me his black belt. And he said, um, this is not a gradient, it's a sign of his respect, like my respect for you, John. Well, I was in tears because no one had ever done this for me. And um, we then left Goju, uh, sorry, Kirk Shinkai and started Goju Karate under him. He formed the IOGKF, the International Now and Goju Karate Do Federation in 1979. And it's what we sort of formally doing ever since. Um, but it was just interesting because Goju Ru finds its roots from the white grain and tiger styles of Kung Fu. So it's like I've done a, a complete circle. I wanted to learn Kung Fu and via my karate journey, I've sort of got linked back to China and um, it's really interesting. Um, in our style of karate, it's um, very close. We like um, a lot of close in work. And I think that is suits myself, suits me in the wheelchair. And that's where we're sort of looking around. There's so many different styles of karate, so different styles of martial arts. <clears throat> that um, will suit different people's different fields, different capabilities. I was um, <clears throat> I was watching a couple of videos of of you on YouTube uh, teaching your classes, and it's really fascinating to watch. Um, and like the way that you throw people, it's like <laughs> it's so cool. Um, <laughs> I, I was, I was, I thought there was something weird about your wheelchair. I noticed there wasn't any handles on it. You must have a reason for that. Yeah, it started um, when I was doing my sporting days. We used to have the big hand uh, armrest handles at the back. They used to interfere with throwing and things like that. And then I also found that when I was doing my karate, I would be elbowing the back of my wheelchair. So, um, a lot of people I was competing with in the paraplegic sport had cut their backs down. They were very low breaks, so they had a lot of stomach muscles, back muscles. I'm paralysed from just below my chest. And um, so anyway, I went and cut my handles off thinking, right, it's going to be good for my table tennis, it's going to be good for my karate. It wasn't so good for my balance. But um, interestingly, I cut the back down too low and I had to put a bolt in to hold the upholstery, the back support in place. And very first night of karate, my gi sleeve caught this bolt. We're doing elbow strikes. And wow. And then, bam, bam. And beautiful shiner. So got the hacksaw out there. Um, I found that a lot of people used to push me. I, and I felt 
they, they wouldn't ask me. They would just grab my wheelchair and push me wherever I wanted to go. So um, that's another reason I cut them off. And I've continued not having the handles because it forces me to be independent. Um, we've got some steep hills around Dunedin. And my goal is always to try and push up as straight as I can. If not, I'll zigzag. Um, when I go overseas, I have got some handles that I'll put on. Again, um, I want to be as independent as I can. Um, so, yeah, that's why I haven't got the handles. Um, handles are good. If your wheelchair tips back, the handles will hit the ground before you hit. So I have to make sure I curl up and roll. And I'm lucky enough that I did do a little bit of judo groundwork. Um, when I got my second degree black belt, Higan Sensei said, now you have to learn groundwork. And he's a judoka. And most of our top guys have done judo. So I now feel comfortable if I do tip out of my wheelchair, I can pull myself into a ball or I will take the person with me and we'll continue wrestling on the floor. But also, that it's good because when I'm playing table tennis, I don't get my arm hooked in the handles and yeah. uh, handles are good if someone is attacking you behind and they've got their arm around your neck you can actually reverse and the handle's going to hit them in their groin or whatever so um so what has karate taught you about your disability and vice versa okay my the karate has actually helped me. We talk a lot about um, tightening our tanda, and I can't remember what the uh, yoga term, but it's um, supposed to be the centre of our body. It's about two um, centimetres, uh, two inches below your uh, belly button. And the idea is that's where all your power comes from. When we breathe, we're breathing into that. And through visualisation, I've actually started to find that things will work and sometimes when I'm doing my kata, my pattern, people will see my legs start to move. And what's happened is my hips are rotating and my knees will come up. And you can move your legs. But it's just my body going to like spasm because I'm um, tensing up stuff and internally my stomach muscles are tightening, my tendons rolling and all this type of thing. Karate has been good because it's helped me with certain elements of my balance. Um, the, uh, it's been good because it's, again, it's taken me on journeys around the world and it's taught me to be independent as well. So I travel on my own. Um, through my disability, it's helped my, with my karate because I've had to look and observe how people move. And Josh, you mentioned throwing people around and things like that. So I look at how people are standing, how they sit and how I can take them off balance very easily. So quite often when I'm throwing someone, it's not my strength, it's just using their weaknesses. Um, I look at someone the way they stance and stand. And so if they put their left foot slightly forward, they've got a hole or sometimes the Chinese may say there's a door door is in front of their right foot but that means that that's where they've got a weakness they can pull off balance so this is the thing i sort of look at so i will pull someone towards their right leg if their right leg is back or I, it's hard to explain without physically but i'm using their strength to my advantage so the, the harder and faster someone punches the easier it is to put them off balance
if you get it wrong, you go off balance, but uh, it's fun. It's sort of like uh, taking advantage of their unconscious bias, right? Exactly. Like they, they may be used to moving a certain way because they simply don't have to think the same way you do, right? Yeah, that's right. And also the wheelchair is an advantage um, because I'm already in a low stance, so um, I'm I, I can fall down. Also, people forget that even though when I'm sitting in the wheelchair, I'm about five foot three, five foot four, I'm actually over, I'm six foot two. So I've got these humongous big arms, you know, so I've got about a six foot uh, wingspan, which people forget. Um, it's interesting, when I first started karate, people would take it easy on me. They'd be fighting and they'd sort of tap it. And um, one of my karate instructors said, well, if they do hurt them, hurt them nicely by that it means just give them a little bit of a shot oh yeah i can't take it easy on this gentleman um then i have had opposite where some people thought someone in a wheelchair or with a disability shouldn't be doing karate and they'd actually come in with the intention of knocking me out of my wheelchair thinking that it would just deter me from coming back but they forget that i love that type of thing you know i i used to have a brother who used to fight all the time so i love it So, um, if someone is at a place where they're not really able to get, especially nowadays with the whole uh, COVID situation, if someone, and on top of that disability, if someone is really not able to get into a group setting or go see an instructor, is there any way they could just start the journey by themselves? Actually, that's what I say to people. Um, my journey started every day. I used to have to spend an hour on the toilet as part of my daily routine. So I used to sit there and I'd have a box and I'd be reading. I'd be practicing all the techniques sitting on the loo. You know, and it was just something that um, I had that passion that I wanted to. And I don't like taking no for an answer. I always try and find a way to look at it. And there are some really good little video clips now on YouTube, where people are starting to, um, whether they call it wheelchair self-defense or different things. Um, I've been asked a few times how I do my charter, my forms. So I've, I've started to film some and we'd sort of edit them. So watch this space. Hopefully in 2022, I'll have a lot of video clips of me doing charter. Um, I think we have to be realistic that we won't be able to do 100% the same as someone who hasn't got a disability per se. But then when you look at a class of 50 people, they're all different. Some people have got really good kicks, some people have got really good hands, other people are very good at moving fast. Um, so I think the person, if they're keen, look around, shop around, Google, grab books, because there's some really excellent um, material there. and just have to adapt it and I think that's a great thing with the traditional karate is it's a journey and the techniques are adapted as you get older um, you're not as fast as you are so you're, you're doing things a little bit um, slower um, with a little bit more intensity maybe I mean I, I'm always interested I have people who contact me um, sometimes asking for information and 
even my fellow instructors around the world say, John, I've got a student here who's got um, a crook leg. How can I be doing something? So we can all learn from each other. Um, this is interesting because I, when I, when I was looking you up online, I found out something called Budo Culture for Disabled. Yeah, that's run by a good friend of mine, Lee Hart. Um, he, he's got a judo background as well. And another one of my long stories, I'll try and cut it short. Um, 2012, he took his father to Japan and their judo instructor actually has a judo um, club for disabled. Lee really liked the idea. So when he came back to Dunedin, he asked me whether I'd be keen to help him. I said, well, through commitments, I'll turn up when I can. And so in 2012, him and a friend of his who's a physiotherapist contacted a whole lot of different organisations. We've got um, children from as young as five right through to um, 25, 30. Of, um, we run two classes from first hour is people with a physical disability a lot of them have got multiple disabilities, so they might have cerebral palsy, but they could also be autistic. And then we run a half-hour class for people with um, with um, intellectual disabilities or a brain injury or something like that. And it's just it's emotional to go there and just see how this, these people, these students have grown over the sort of nine years that we've been doing it. Um, some the noise was so bad that they had to wear um, earmuffs or earplugs. Now they don't, you know, they're yelling and screaming like everyone else. Um, it's been good. There was one guy who used to have to use a wheelchair, then a walker. He now walks in on his own, no walking aids at all. And um, it's really good. We have this TV program called Attitude TV, and every year they have awards. And Lee got the uh, champion award for um, helping people this year, so it was really good. But it's something that um, it combines karate, judo, and jiu-jitsu, so we have a little element of all that. And the kids, the kids, the students, um, are up on, they're on the floor, rolling around, throwing people. So it's it's just a great, great to see. Look like a lot of smiles. And that's what it is. I say to people that you can have such a bad day, everything will go wrong. You know, you, you drop the toothpaste, you do this, do that, you hold up in traffic. But as soon as you get to the hall, just the pure enjoyment, it's it's wonderful, you know. It's it is um I've learned so much just train, training with them and being part of that. Just when I say I've learned so much, I've learned about life. And I was watching them the other day. We had our Christmas function and we had all these kids who sadly society treat them differently. But there they were, they were all the same, they were laughing, they're giggling. And I was talking to one of the parents and she said, It's interesting, my daughter will talk to you differently than she talks to her mother, and then she'll talk to all these other ones who've got the same disability. And it's like almost they're they know how they're gonna react. It's just wonderful, you know. I think society can learn so much from them. Yeah. I'll get off my soapbox now. <clears throat> so uh, one last thing. 
any piece of advice for people who are newly injured or newly diagnosed with some life-changing problem and they don't know where to go from there? I think the first thing they've got to do, first thing is they've got to realize that this is the cards they've been given. So this is what they're going to have to play with now. Um, they've got to love themselves. Um, some of the people I know, they keep looking back and they get really angry and annoyed and they swear at their legs and things like that. We all have bad days. But they've got to learn to love themselves, accept what they've got, and then say, how can I make the most of that? Um, I say to people that the disabled person has to start being proud of themselves, proud of being disabled. Um, for so long, people have looked down on people with disabilities. They talk to us very slowly, or they say, "Hi, today, Josh. Um, how's Mark today?" You know, things like this. We've got to be proud. We've got to be out there doing things. And I think that's a, so. Someone's just broken their back, or they've just been diagnosed. They might have MS. It's going to be a grieving stage, and that's where hopefully they'll have people around them they can support, sorry, who that can support them. The hardest part is when you get home, because all of a sudden you've gone from you were normal, had your accident or your diagnosis, you've been in hospital doing some rehabilitation, and suddenly you're out in the real world, and you're still thinking of what you were before your accident or your diagnosis. You sort of got to look at yourself, think, right, I've got this is where I, I I've got my strength, I've got my brain, I've got these capabilities. This is what I want to pursue. It's not easy. I mean, I, after 50 ideas, still have bad days, but I look at it and I think, you know, that these things are happening for a reason. What can I do? Like trying to pull the curtain down before it got stuck. So it meant I had to do a bit more stretching. Oh, I didn't stretch last night. I can feel it. So you have to continually look at yourself. Yeah, you're going to get depressed, but don't dwell on it. Look at yourself, have pride in what you are, and love yourself. A long, deep answer. Sorry, Mark. Yeah, that's no problem. But on that note, John, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to speak with us this morning and uh, have yourself a great day. Thank you, guys. And you have a great Christmas or however you guys are going to celebrate it. Enjoy it and don't eat too much. Or if you eat plenty, make sure you get to the gym the day after. Okay, sounds good. See you later. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hey, you. Want to be a guest on the podcast? Drop me a line at the email in the description below.